And that's the hardest thing to do in our position is to know who to work with and who we don't work with. There are some we just don't work with. They just don't fit into how we do business and that's okay because there's so many that will. Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. All right, just some quick reminders while everybody's getting in here. Um, if you don't have a camera, I'm turning camera on so I can see your beautiful faces. Uh, you can see Molly, so I would love to see yours too. Um, and then uh, we are now a podcast. So those of you that um, want to listen to this on the go, uh, use your favorite podcast provider, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is that you're using, um, and listen to us on the podcast. So, all right. So I want everybody to participate in this one, setting client expectations. How fun is that? That's an awesome topic. Setting client expectations. What are some of the expectations? I want to go to you guys first. What are some of the client expectations that you're finding difficult to set right now? Somebody unmute and tell me. Buying power. Buying power. Talk to me about that. Um, well, I'm in Seattle. So, okay. so it's a little crazy up here, in my opinion. And there's a lot of people that qualify for, you know, a $400,000 loan, $450,000 loan, and they can't find a condo. So can't find one. it's hard trying to tell them they have to move an hour out of town to a, you know, a different city and a different suburb in order to get the home they're looking for. And I think, you know, yeah. so that's that. My Jacqueline, exactly. Did I say your name right? It's Jacqueline, but I, it's odd, so I don't, I try not to correct people. I know I want to get it right. That's important to me. So Jacqueline, I'm going to get it right. So did I interrupt you? I'm sorry. Were you? No, I okay. am just rambling because I, like, I know I get all these people <laughs> and I feel like they should be able to buy a nice starter home or a decent starter home in a, you know, an established neighborhood or something. Sure. And they, they're looking at old condos, you know, things that yeah. have never been updated and, you know, it's a hard chunk of money when I just don't think they're getting what it's worth. Yeah, I get it. No. And you, yeah, and I think it's, and you think that's indicative. Why do you think that is? Why do you think their buying power is challenged right now in some cases? What do you think pausing? I, well, I think our housing market has been inflated so mm -hmm. that the average person that makes a decent living, they can't afford to buy compared to what other people are willing to pay. Mm -hmm. that's so... All right. you know, it's not their fault that they don't qualify for 650. Okay, awesome. Anyway. All right, so hold that thought. I want to get some more expectations. So we have a list. So what are some other expectations that are challenging to set to kind of deal with right now for us? Give me another one. Uh, low inventory. Low inventory. Tell me what's challenging about that. Um, 
just not having the homes available um, right now in the Dallas market. Our inventory is about 0.7 months. So not even a full month of inventory right now. Mm -hmm. And it gets frustrating, you know, Um, um, every home has about 10 to 20 offers. It creates a lot of multiple offer situations and buyers get discouraged and they don't want to play anymore. Yep. Got it. Awesome. Okay. So what else? Any other ones? Throw some more out to me. Other expectations that maybe are tough to set right now. So we got low inventory, buying powers challenge, number of offers. People are losing five, six, seven, eight times. James, you look like you got one. So I'm in two markets. I'm in New York and Florida. And uh, in the New York market, people are thinking they're going to get these crazy discount buys, which mm-hmm. they are. Um, but New York is typically already an inflated market. So their discount does not match their their idea. And, you know, they think they're going to come in and get something 50, 60% off. It's just never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and and therefore they're they're scoffing at what they can afford. Got it. And what do you see in Florida? Anything different there? Yeah, uh, Florida, the housing market, like actual single-family homes or multifamily homes, is booming. Like everywhere else outside the cities, uh-huh. um, condo market is is uh, falling rapidly. I think because people are selling off second homes, um, mm-hmm. but people want houses and. Uh, it's a similar condition to other suburb or, uh, you know, secondary markets where, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, the market has exploded, you know, two, threefold. Got it. Awesome. What else? Any other ones? Let me get one more from somebody. Somebody throw me one more that we haven't talked about. One more expectation. Okay. I'm Leticia. Oh, can I say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So my expectation, one of my buyers is just, you know, wanting a, a newer home versus an, a really old home, you know, but, and that one of the things is kind of challenging to try to explain to him and his price point, he wants something newer. Well, then that's really just, it's really tight. And especially with this overbidding and, you know, we've gone up with over like 19, 20 offers, 30 offers on properties and it's just not working out. So how to set that expectation for him that maybe he needs to cut back. I mean, he wants the perfect schools, right? <laughs> Newer, yeah. all these things and the price. It's just like, you have to go. That's not, there's nothing around maybe yeah. one and everybody else wants it too. Right. Well, and I, great. I, yeah, I think that's awesome. So and I, we're going to cover this a couple of different ways. I think next week we're going to talk where I'm going to have a panel available to you guys. And we're going to really dive into you know, what is it we can do to win on some of these, right? But before we get, like, especially from a buying perspective, like what is it we can do to win when we're up against, you know, multiple offers every single time? Um, but I think before we can even talk about how do we win, I think we got to talk about how do we set expectations with our clients? So how many of us are, well, let's start from the beginning. Do you have a clear picture of what your standards are, what your process is, how you do business with your clients. You have the, a, the same process, even though your clients don't know, do you have a process that you follow every single time when you're working with your clients? Anybody? Anybody have that? Okay. It's okay. And if we have our hands up, great. And if we don't, it's fine too. So I didn't always have a process either. 
So I always start with look inward before we look outward. So setting expectations starts with us. So, and how we do business. So some things that have been very helpful for me over the years has been, and is helpful for me in this market. It doesn't mean I'm seeing the same things you guys are seeing. I, where I live, we have low inventory. I'm in a couple of markets. Prices are inflated. I keep saying, please correct. Please come back a little. Because what you could get even a year ago, what people could get in my market for $300,000 is costing them three fifty dollars or more now in the same market. So our average price point in my market is about $250,000. So, um, so it's just very different a year later, especially for folks maybe I talked to last year. And now the conversation is a little different just a year later. It doesn't feel that much later to them. doesn't feel that much later to me. Right. So we're all facing these challenges that you all shared. But I, I and, and it doesn't mean it's going to uh, set expectations helps us doesn't erase the challenges, but it helps us better deal with the challenges from the beginning. So if you if we start inward with, well, what are our standards for how we live and how we do business? What are our standards? Right. So I can tell you some of mine. Some of my standards for how I do business is I have I take a cons consultative approach to all of my clients, sellers and buyers. So before I'm going to do any work with them, I'm going to consult with them. I'm going to start to lay the groundwork to become their trusted advisor. So um, I can tell you whenever I meet with a client for the first time, exactly what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about first them, what, what is it that they expect? What is, it, what is their interpretation of what's going on in the market, right? And I always say, I'm going to tell you, but tell me what you see, right? So if it's, let's use a buyer, right? Because a lot of the challenges you guys presented are, are buyers, driving challenges. So when I meet with a new buyer for the first time, I'm going to say, tell, you know, I'm going to start with, I don't really care if they're pre-approved, I'll get them there, but I'm going to start with, have you done the pre-approval work? And it was one of the early conversations that we have. And it's not because I'm afraid to show them a home if they're not pre-approved. I mean, it's because it's not good for them. So, and, and I've been saying that for eight years. So, but now I'm saying, I'm telling them why it's really important this year compared to previous years. So, cause if they go see a home today and they like it, they're not gonna be able to get it. It's gonna be gone by the time they get a pre-approval, right? It's gonna be gone. So we start, I start with, you know, what is it that they think, where are they in the process and what is it that they think is going on and what is it that they think is important? Now, stop. Why do you think I want to know where they are and what they think? Let me come off mute and tell me. How does that help you? Easier. It's really important for them to feel heard. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I sorry. want them to feel heard. No, don't be sorry. That's perfect. <laughs> I just want them to feel heard. I'm sorry if you do the I want people to love me <laughs> and I want them to feel heard. So I, I resonate with that. James, you were going to say something too. You know what points to influence. I know what points to influence. I know where they are. So I'll know coming from the horse's mouth that they haven't been pre-approved, want to go see these 12 houses, <laughs> right? We, I mean, people like this every day. Want to go see these 12 houses and, um, everything they want. They want all the amenities of a house that, that maybe they can't afford, or they want brand new construction and they, but they only can spend 300,000 in my market. You're not getting brand new construction for under four if you're lucky. And that's low end new construction, right? It's 500 plus if you want new construction where I live. 
So, um, so I, I know kind of where they are, that they want all the bells and whistles for this little budget, you know, or, or sometimes, believe it or not, it's the opposite. They think the budget's here and the budget can really be here because they don't, they haven't really done the math on the payment. So, and that happens a lot. I'm still running into that. Even in a market where I feel like someone said, well, the prices are so inflated. Jacqueline said that the prices are so inflated that it affects their buying power. And I, I, that is very much a reality. I believe that we're all in tough markets, but the Seattle market I've learned is really, really, really tough. And that's definitely a reality of a lot of different markets. Um, but sometimes it is about their expectation. It is about they haven't done the math. Um, and they don't really understand what they can spend. So they've just come up arbitrarily with a number or they've used some online calculator, right? That's come up with it. So I always start with, I'm going to have a consultation. And I tell my leads that, leads are people. So when I get them, I tell them that first. Like, hey, before we go out and see that home, I'm happy to take you, let's chat. What if they won't do that? Then I consult with them on the appointment. I will set the appointment and consult with them on the appointment. I will go to the appointment Criticize me if you will. It never hurts me to see a house, whether it's a seller or a buyer. So I will go uh, see a house. I will go meet them after a conversation and I will consult with them on the spot if I need to. So so, so those are some of the things um, that, that I start out with, right? It's just knowing where they are so I know what to influence. I know where, what they think and I can take time not only to influence, but to educate you can educate, you are experts on your market. I don't care how many deals you're selling, you're experts on your market. You know your market. If you can convey to them what is going on proactively. So I'm making buying a house sounding like the worst thing in the world right now. I am. Why? Because two years ago, if you had a consultation with me, I would have told you I'm going to write the best offer and I'm going to get you that house 99.5% of the time. And no, it wasn't my ego talking. I was winning. I was winning every time almost. So, and when I wasn't, it wasn't my fault. Maybe that's ego. <laughs> right? So maybe, that, maybe that part's ego. But I was winning and I'm not winning as much anymore. I'm writing some great offers Sometimes my folks are going in two or three times. And then I'm talking to my peers who are going in seven and eight times. And they're looking at me like, you're lucky. You only had a bid twice or three times to get a house for one of your buyers. And you know what? Um, I'm telling them that. In the consultation, I'm saying it's a great time to buy a house. Interest rates are amazing, right? Which helps your buying power, even when I know their buying power may be affected, right? However, it's the toughest market we could be buying in. And you know, it doesn't do any good to wait because it's not gonna get better anytime soon. So if now is the time to get housing, now is the time to get housing. So, but we just need to know what we're up against. So we, what do we have to do, right? We gotta get you pre-approved and here's why, right? We've gotta react quickly. When we see something, we gotta go. I know you're tired. I know you work a gazillion hours. I do too. When we see it, we gotta go, right? In my case, when we gotta go, sometimes they're gonna go without me. Sometimes they're going to go with somebody else on my team that's going to show because you're not going to miss a house as my client because of my schedule. But go back to, I have standards for my life and how I do business. So I operate certain hours of the day and I don't operate certain hours of the day. Now, I don't say it like that to a client. I say to them, when I'm on a, you're not going to miss a house when I'm unavailable because either I'm going to be available or one of my team members is going to be available to open the door. At the end of the day, I'm going to write your offer, but one of us, 
is going to be is going to get you through. So you've got to be flexible. I have to be flexible. You have to be flexible, and that's why we have a team in place. Yes, James. What kind of, what kind of things yep. are you adding to offers that are actually strengthening your offers in a market where what I'm seeing is just money talks? So I would say money talks. So we're coming in with our, I'm telling my buyers to come in with their best price every time. And we are, we're coming in strong. Escalation clauses are important in our market, but there are times where I'm not using them. We're just coming in as guns a blazing. So as high as we can. Sometimes we're coming in higher than we know it'll praise. I try to be careful with that because I have had some listing agents um, that, you know, have said, well, you're too high and kind of coach me. Like we're, we're afraid because you're too high. And I'm like, well, I don't care what the appraisal work it out. They'll get the best price, but some aren't comfortable with that. So we've had to back, uh, back down. That's where your relationships in your market can help you. So sometimes I've lost some because we did come in too high, but so we try to balance that when we use the escalation clause based on the situation to when we come in strong, but we're, I'm telling them they have to come in strong. If they really want the house, what I'm saying is if you wake up and you hear you lost the house over $5,000, $10,000, you insert the dollar amount, are you crushed and heartbroken? If the answer is no, then tell me where you want to come in. I'll give you the info. You tell me where you want to come in. If the answer is you will be crushed and heartbroken, we got to come in strong. Here's what I think strong is. What do you think? And I just educate them. They pick. Um, other things, we are removing any costs we can from the seller in our market. So we're removing survey costs where that's required here. Um, we are doing as is a lot on inspections. Um, I know, and I know that's not allowed everywhere, um, but we are taking out as many inspection contingencies as we can. Um, we are using, taking out appraisal contingencies when we can. So if there's a repair on the appraisal, the buyer will take it on. So, so we're doing a lot of different things like that. And I'm going to dive, I'm going to have a panel. We're going to dive deep into that next Thursday with more people from more markets. Yeah. Um, because I think that that is really, really, really important right now. Also, how are you protecting yourself as the agent if you're removing so many contingencies that could then potentially turn around and bite you? So I'm educating buyers in all cases on what the options are and how the seller will be, will potentially view the options. And I'm asking them to make the decisions. And, and you're getting the You know, like if you're waiving your right to inspect, you know, that God forbid they come after you for that later. Like so how, in my markets, yeah, I agree. In my markets, I'm not waiving their right. I don't, I have, I will never personally uh, recommend that they waive an inspection. Um, we can, what we are doing a lot of is as is where they're entitled to an inspection and they can get out for major issues, but they're agreeing up front. They're going to take on the little things. And so I'm making sure they understand what the major items are and I'm documenting those for them. Um, I have had buyers make the decision to waive the inspection against my advice, but I'm not comfortable making that, um, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's, maybe that's growth for me, right? We're all growing. I'm not perfect but I'm not comfortable telling them to waive an inspection. So I never have actually told a buyer to waive an inspection, but I am doing a ton of it. So. I would never do that. It's crazy. Amy. <laughs> so, so Amy, do you say, I suggest, you know, here's how you can win is if, if you do this A, B and C and then say, it's up to you what you want to do. Is that how you, how you present that so that they so can, like, like James was language, saying. Yeah. My language with them is, um, 
Well, first of all, they know up front, we're going, in all cases, I tell them, in all cases, you're going up against multiple offers. So how many? I don't know. Two or more for sure. And I tell them what I've seen. So the last one I negotiated, there were 10 of us. So I've had some where there's 50, you know, going in, 22 mm -hmm. offers going in. It just depends on the house. It's been all over the place for us here. So I make sure that they know that going in. And then I say, given that, it would be really hard for us to predict human behavior, especially when we're going up against so many different scenarios. And a lot of the offers are going to be very close. So it's going to become a combination of things, right? Depending on what's important to that seller. And often price is going to be important. Often best price is going to be important. If, and I tell them, put yourself in you in the seller's shoes. If you were selling a home, what are some things that would be important to you? I let them tell me. So it's a conversation. And then I say, okay, well, often price is going to be important because believe it or not, I have won and not been the highest price in multiple offer situations. But I tell them often it will be important. And then the next thing is here are the other things sellers going to look at. So I tell them sellers going to look at price. Next seller is going to look at loan type or cash, right? What is it? Um, then I tell them, then seller is going to look at the things that cost them money. Survey of the property, which is required here, right? That costs them money. Then they're going to look at inspection because that could potentially cost them money, right? So they're going to look at that. They're going to look at how long of an inspection period. So how many days? Because we can dictate that in one of my states. One state I can't, but one I can um, and then they're going to look at um, how we write that. Do we reserve the right to an inspection and repairs? Do we reserve the right to an inspection with it as is, provided there's no major items? So I explain it like that to them on every single item. Uh, and then I say, and I just say, let, let's put our seller hat on, right? Let's, and I really say this, let's put our seller hat on. If we were looking at six offers, right, or more, multiple offers, these are the things we would be looking at lined up. It's a business decision lined up on a piece of paper. These are the things we'd be looking at. These are the things that we would be considering. Now, based on what we would think about as a seller, let's put ourselves back in the shoes that we're in the buyer. What is it that we can do? You know, and I, I come to it with them. What is it that we can do to put ourselves in the best position, hopefully the number one position, but the best position when we're bidding on this house and we get there, we talk through those items and we get there together. And it takes a little time, right? It's not a five minute conversation. I remember two years ago, they were five, 15 minute conversations to make offers. I might spend 30, 40 minutes once they decide on a house, just talking through the offer now to get them to an offer that we all feel good about. Does that help? So, so it really just goes back to setting them up and telling them what's really going on. Finding out first, what do they think is going on in the market? They have some opinion or some observation. And depending on how much homework they've done or who they're talking to, right? People around our buyers and sellers influence them. So, and so it's about finding out where they are so that we know where they need education and we know what the motivations are or what their, I call them limiting beliefs, we call them objections. <laughs> but what their limiting beliefs are or their objections are going to be. And we can get ahead of those. And then I just tell them the truth. So, and I do that with buyers and sellers. I know so far we've talked a lot about buyers. Let's go to sellers, right? We're listing, when, we're, when I'm listing a home, I just listed one the other day and I basically told them. So the first two days in the market, you need to move out. I mean, now not that you can't be in your house, right? But you basically need to get out for the day because for you, basically we'll start with what is their motivation? What do they want? 
right? So I just had one just this weekend. Their motivation is to find another house, right? They need to list their house because they can't get in another house because they are contingent. Their money, their equity is their down payment and it is tied up in their house. And while they have a lot of it, they need it. So they learned a lesson. They came to me as buyers. We're not going to sell till after we buy. I'm like, good luck. In this market, you're not going to win on a contingency unless we find an older home. So they, we did the work, right? We did the work. They wanted to see what that would look like. They don't like what that looks like, right? The houses that they want, no one will accept their offer simply because of the contingency. And I've written them a couple of offers to help them learn the lesson, which I don't like doing as an agent. I'm like, oh, this is a waste of time. But I have to let them go through the process, right? So I write the offer. I suck it up. Do my do your job, Amy Izzo, right? I suck it up. I write the offer. Um, now they learn their lesson. Now I got their house in the market. So when we put their house in the market last weekend, I, I had them ready. I'm like, listen, we need you out. We're going to list you. We're doing photography on Thursday. We're listing you Friday morning. Really, I did it late Thursday night. I need you out Friday and Saturday. You need to tell me the hours you can be gone because we are going to be your house is going to be crawling with people. Now, if you don't want it to be crawling with people, that's fine. I can control the crowd. However, you need to decide, do you want the best opportunity for the best offer you can get and as many people through as possible in a short period of time, or do you not? What do you want? So, and they make the decision. I explain to them what's going to happen. Sure enough, they had 36 showings in about probably 38, 38, 39 hours. So that came through, we did 27 showings. We turned some down. So, because they just didn't want to continue it a third day. So then they were basically out of their house all day Friday and all day Saturday. We had a hard, we had a start time and we had a hard stop. And it doesn't matter if you were my favorite agent on planet earth. When you called me, I'm like, look, we got a hard stop. So if you can't make your appointment time, here's how we can work that out. Or you just can't see it. We have a hard stop. They have a family, they have a baby. This is how it has to be. And then, so, and we set some things in place for them, but even sellers, you have to set expectations because you think it, we think it's a great thing. We put them on the market and a hundred people come see their house and then they have 25 offers. That's overwhelming too. So, and if you don't set expectations, you get things like, well, should I have left it on the market longer? Should I have waited? Did I really get the best price? Well, 36 people that wanted to see your house. And we had like 12 offers at the end of the day. Um, and then four to, we could throw out right away and eight to really, really look at because they were all so close and really decide like what is the best offer based on what seller needs, right? It's a business decision based on what they needed. My folks ended up taking an offer that wasn't the highest price, but was very healthy. Um, however, gave them the longest time period to find the next house. So we were able to get a 30-day close with a 60-day rent back which made them very happy. And we had very flexible, strong buyers. So they took a little, by the way, it wouldn't have appraised, some of these offers that came in, it never would have appraised it, never. But so we took a little bit of a lower offer if you're just looking at numbers on a paper, but still a healthy offer to get them what they needed, which is time. They need time to find the next house. Um, so even your sellers, we need to set expectations. We need to know where they are, where is their head? What do they believe? Educate them. We're around that, where we know more than they do, because we do, without saying that we do, right? Um, and then overcome those objections, right? Overcome them, and then service them. It makes the transaction buyer or seller go so much more smooth. It doesn't mean, it doesn't erase all those things that you guys talked about. 
it's still an inflated market. It's still low inventory. It's still multiple offers. It's still um, uh, people think they're going to get discounts where they're not. Somebody wants a deal where they can't get one. Um, it's still a tough market, but we can operate better and guide our folks through the market better if we know where they are and we get them where they need to be so they know reality. So someone overheard me talking to a buyer and said to me, why would anyone want to shop for a house with you right now? Because I do make it sound challenging. I'm saying, look, this is the market that we're in and this is what we're up against, but we can do it, right? We're going to get, we are going to find you a house, but I don't want anybody to think they're going out one time and finding a house because it's not happening. It's going to be a rarity when it does happen. We're going to have gotten lucky or hit it at the right time. They're going to be out. We're going to have to shop just a little bit. So for buyers anyway, sellers, whole different thing. For me, let's see. Let me see if there's something in the chat. I thought, oh, I see stuff in the chat. Okay. Um, in some markets, it says, let's see, Michelle says, in some markets, agents are having inspectors come to a showing and do a mini inspection prior to submitting an offer. Look at the roof foundation so the buyer is still protected and can move forward without a contingency. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I know, and you're in St. Pete. I heard that in uh, with for my with some of my Seattle friends too, um, that they're doing pre inspections. Um, and I think that's, that's really, really awesome. Um, we don't, I don't see that a lot in my market, but I love that idea. Um, and I think there's a, probably a way to even to implement that here without necessarily asking for a period of time for it. So it's gotten my wheels turning. So I like that. Um, Pre-list inspections. I saw that Lindsay said for buy side, we are offering sellers free rent back to assist in their move out. Yep. I'm seeing that too. Um, side for the rent back option, you both just suggested what other options are you creating to help sellers feel safe enough to actually sell? Ooh, that's a good one, James. You challenge me. So, um, I don't know. Craig, you got one on that? I'm going to pick on Craig. <laughs> Anybody got, anybody's got one on that. So, I mean, I just explained that they get to write their own ticket, essentially, that the buyers are going to do whatever they need in order to make it happen. So really, they have time. And we had, um, in my current market, I don't think we have it, but in Virginia, we had an actual option for a um, home of choice contingency. So instead of making a, like everybody thinks they need to go in contingent on their purchase, but they would make the sale contingent on their finding the next house. And buyers aren't going to walk at it because buyers are going to do whatever the seller wants so that they can be competitive. And once you explain the market, like you said, setting the expectation, explaining the market to them on both sides, they get more comfortable and they understand. Yeah, and I was trying to think about that. I'm like, I am doing that too. Like I'm saying, you know, you can write your own ticket. I am telling them uh, we're, I'm listing, we can, we're, I'm listing in all of our listings that uh, seller uh, uh, closing is contingent upon only finding the home of their choice, right? Because they have time to find. And that is one of the things when we're looking at offers that we're talking through with buyer's agents is how flexible is the buyer really? Like if I need, if I need 90 days, if I need four months, if I need 60 days, what, obviously we're going to move as soon as we can, but what are they really open to? Um, so that, the, that can help them make a really, really good decision. Um, we're the, the one thing I'm trying to assure them of is we're not going to let them be homeless. So, but I'm also telling them, James, they're going to feel the pressure to want to move. 
because once they're under contract, what happens to sellers is they feel the pressure to want to do the right thing for the buyer in most cases, at least in where, what I'm seeing. And they, as, it, as it takes us time to find them a house, they are worried about the other side. They're worried about, and that's what, so we're trying to write the best amount of time we can, as much as we can in, but I'm t- trying to say to them, buyers are going to do what you need them to do. So you're not leaving that contingency open-ended. You are actually putting a, a finite period of time where they can look. Yeah, because I haven't been successful with leaving it open-ended. Would I? Sure. You, you can do that. Yeah. I, don't know. Uh, I don't know, but I have to find out my market. I don't know. Uh, so I feel like our jobs as 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 agents is to be like water, right? Water finds the path of least resistance. Now legally, okay, big disclaimer, I don't do anything illegal. I don't do anything illegal, but I do like to know the rules as much as I can to figure out what the solution is around them. So now why haven't I done an open-ended contingency? One, I don't, I haven't really thought through how to do it. I think that's a very cool idea. Sure. I don't know if you can. I don't think it's legal, that's and why. Two, um, I don't, I don't, don't think anyone would be, I haven't, my, I guess my, my liberty belief maybe or my thought is no one would be open to that, but now you've got my wheels turning. <laughs> you mean what, three to six month clause to find the house? Um, I've been doing 90 days pretty, pretty, pretty uh, uh, consistently and that's been working for us here, but could I get more time? I believe I could. We just haven't asked for more. Hi, Amy. Can you hear me? It's Natasha Hayes. Sorry, I don't have my video up. Um, We do open-ended all the time in our market. We're in Oregon and um, we don't push up against problematic timeframes because sellers are still motivated to find a house. Um, And we've prepped them for the things that you talked about earlier as far as the actual you know, how they need to compete as a buyer, but, um, but it's, it's pretty common for us with our sellers to write it in automatically in the listing and make it part of any contract that um, it's contingent on the successful um, acquisition and close of their replacement property. And then we just keep in contact with the buyer. Um, The, you know, if, if we bump up the, the only time we've come up against that is when, um, we had one buyer on the other side as that time frame continued to bump out, start to put pressure and say that they might then want to walk away. It's starting to get long enough that they might need to start looking elsewhere. And then you just have to prep your seller for that. Everybody's on the same page, but if it drags out long enough, that buyer might get buyer fatigue and we you know, might need to you know, look at, at remarketing if we get against that. We've never bumped against that. Most of our people are still actually still under contract and and closing within a 90-day period without a problem, but it just gives them that peace of mind that literally what happens if we can't find anything we want? Mm-hmm. And it's literally then then you then you can terminate the contract and you're staying in your house. Like that is an option. So that puts them completely at ease and then they go aggressively out shopping and we've still met that time frame while making sure that they know they're 100% protected. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So I love that. So money well, into escrow at that point? Like you, you've you've semi-closed? You haven't fully closed? Like it's just a totally foreign concept to me. I've never heard of this. What's what? Can you ask the question again? Yeah. So you 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 have this contingency that basically cancels the contract. So the contract didn't actually close. Money hasn't transferred hands and money's being held in escrow. Like how are they utilizing the equity that they're now going to go use to buy? 
if if the has it closed or hasn't it closed? Right. So it's not actually closing. And that's a very good question because it's saying that it's contingent on it, their successful acquisition. Um, you can remove a contingency at any point, right? So the idea of putting it in there that it's uh, to close is just allows it because otherwise too often people view acquisition as I got under contract and that contract could terminate. So we leave the verbiage of closing in there until we get close to closing and then simply remove it, close on the sale of their house, close on their purchase, do a simultaneous close. We do often write in um, an agreement to occupy that rent back. Um, to allows that we're not stacking on top of each other on the same day and we prep everybody for that we're going to need x number of days minimum or you know weeks to occupy after closing um so that we know that we can close on one and then close on the other and we just simply remove that contingency once we get to the place where we know it's happening and we have had one uh buyer who the the very same buyer that was getting buyer fatigue how we worked it out with them is they came back and said as we're getting this far along um can we write something in and do an addendum that states that after their past inspection and appraisal, they've removed the contingency. Um, and so that's something we absolutely can do as well. Sometimes when you do work with the buyer on that, you can say that with the seller, hey, um, you know, after we've passed these contingencies where we know you're able to buy the house, we're going to remove that because it's no longer a, a choice. It's, it's uh, you know, you're getting the house. And so those are just, you know, some options. Awesome. So I'm going to save this chat because you've asked a lot of really great questions. I'm going to post, I want you to all help me. I'm going to post um, in Agent Power Huddle as soon as we're done here in the group. And I want you to tell me like what all your questions are around, uh, around winning in this market, right? Because next Thursday, I'm going to have a panel of agents and we're going to talk about, we're going to address all of those, right? So I, I want, I need your questions so I can ask them, but I'm going to save this chat too. So I want you to help me and just just give me your comment. Like, tell me what are the things that we that you have questions about or you want to talk more about about winning in this market. And we're going to spend a whole 30 minutes on that next week, um, which I know that time is going to fly. For today, setting expectations starts with as, as we wrap up, you've got to know, um, you've got to know how you do business. You have to have a process of doing business. Be consultative with all of your clients, right? Find out where their head is so that you know how to educate and how to overcome their objections, you know where they are. And then just if you know how you do business, and that's how you do business, you are going to have people that don't, um, that don't listen to you in the beginning. And you'll have to make a judgment on those. Will they learn their lesson if you work together a little bit? Or is it just not your ideal client and you don't move forward? And so and that's the hardest thing to do in our position is to know who to work with and who we don't work with. And there are some we just don't work with. Right. So it, and even if you're like, that's unbelievable. I mean, there are some we just don't work with. They just don't fit into how we do business. And that's okay because there's so many that will, there's so many that will fit into how we do business. Um, so, and th so that, that's, I think really how we set up our transactions, our clients for success, whether they're buyers or sellers in this market. And then next week, you got to come back because next week we're going to go over all the strategies to win because we are, we can win. We are winning. Lots of you are winning. And so we're going to come and we want to talk about how we're winning. Uh, I learned a lot on this call just from you all sharing. So have a great Thursday. Thanks for staying. I know I went over our time, but thanks for staying. Have a great Thursday. 
If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.